Hello, church. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and thank you for listening to this special Ash Wednesday episode of the Life Plus God podcast. Today, I am pulling out a devotion from the past led by our very own Reverend Dr. Nick McRae. Now, many of you may remember that Pastor Nick was the Associate Pastor of Serving Ministries here at Treach and has since moved on to become the Senior Pastor of First United Methodist Church in Forney. Nick, if you are listening, hello, and we are happy to continue learning from you on a regular basis. Hope you're doing well. So today, he is going to bring us a devotion that gives us an explanation of what Ash Wednesday is, why we celebrate it, and lead us in some time of prayer and reflection. It's a beautiful way to start your Ash Wednesday to get you in the right headspace and worshipful mindset for this sacred day. We have a lot of events and activities and worship services happening throughout Lent. And so I'd like to invite you to go to tmumc.org Lent to see all upcoming events. And there are some extra resources for you, like a reading guide uh, for you to do daily devotionals throughout Lent, some extra podcast episodes, some information on fasting. So I invite you to check that out. And now I'll hand it over to Pastor Nick. Hey everybody, I'm Nick McRae. We are talking about Ash Wednesday. And well, today is Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the first day in the season of Lent. Now, Lent is the season uh, leading right up to Easter. And it's, it's about 40 days. I say about 40 days because it's actually 40 days, not counting the Sundays during that season. So about 40 days leading up to, um, to, to Easter. And the reason we have this season, this, this 40 days leading up to Easter, is um, it's as a way of preparing ourselves um, for the, the death and resurrection of, of Christ. And this goes back to, to the really the, almost the very beginning of Christianity. Very early on, Christians uh, started to take this 40-day plus period before Easter to prepare new converts for baptism. But there was a, um, a really sort of uh, intense process of, of learning and, and discernment and all kinds of things uh, at the beginning of one's Christian journey back then. So much so that, yeah, you had to have this 40 days of, of fasting and, and prayer and repentance and, uh, and learning and preparation before uh, they would be baptized. And usually people would be baptized on, on Easter. So Ash Wednesday is the day that begins the season of Lent, and, and Ash Wednesday is also a very old tradition, and the, it, it has been around for a very long time in the in uh, the Catholic tradition and the Eastern Orthodox tradition, and uh, up until the the Protestant Reformation, and then after that, this is in the about the in the 16th century, when the Protestant churches started to emerge. Some of them uh, kept uh, Ash Wednesday, the celebration of Ash Wednesday, and some did not. The Church of England was one of those. And you may or may not know that John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, was a priest in the Church of England. And uh, at that time, Ash Wednesday was still celebrated. Um, although interestingly, when, uh, when the Methodist movement became its own church a little bit, a little bit later, uh, initially 
Methodists did not celebrate Ash Wednesday, and um, there's a lot of different ideas about why that may be. Um, some people think that, that John Wesley thought that, well, uh, the repentance that we, uh, that we go through, that, that, that self-examination that we go through it during, during Ash Wednesday uh, and Lent, well, that's the way that we should be all year round. And so why have a special, a special time of the year to celebrate that uh, when we should be doing that all the time? And I, I think John Wesley has a good point. However, um, in recent years, during the 20th century, and especially since the the, the 60s and 70s, um, churches have began uh, churches like the United Methodist Church and the uh, and others have begun to refocus on those ancient practices of the church, recognizing that you know there's something there that that we really do need. In fact, and I think our culture today, which which kind of um, uh, doesn't necessarily encourage self-examination, doesn't necessarily encourage repentance, uh, sort of acknowledging those things that we have done wrong or the ways that we have been uh, enslaved to something um, that's not good, right? Uh, our culture kind of says that, um, that you know, let's, let's, let's just focus on the happy stuff and not do that hard work. And so I think it's a very good thing that it that it's, has, has reemerged. And so it's uh, really only since the 90s Maybe 1992, when the Book of Worship of United Methodist Church was was published, the newest edition anyway, that we actually have a full service that includes the the tradition of of putting uh, putting ashes on our forehead, and I'll talk about that in 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 just a moment. But but yeah, so there's a long history of Ash Wednesday. Although even those who have been Methodists for a long time, it still may seem kind of new to them because we're sort of reclaiming that tradition. I think it's a very good one. So whenever I'm thinking about uh, one of the traditions of the church, one of the first things I want to know is, okay, but where can I look in the Bible to see where this comes from or, or why we do it? And I think that's a, an, an excellent question that you may be asking yourselves. Well, there's a lot of places that we can look that we can see stuff about about ashes and uh, having to do with 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 with, with sin and, and death and repentance. And those are really the kind of things we're focusing on on Ash Wednesday is 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 sin and death and 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 repentance. And one of the the first places we can look is actually the book of Genesis. Um, well, just I guess one little linguistic note in 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 the Hebrew, the word for ashes and the word for dust are very, very similar. And sometimes they're kind of interchangeable. Uh, they sound exactly alike. Uh, they look a little bit different. But uh, so sometimes you'll see in your Bibles that the word might be translated dust. Sometimes it might be translated ashes. Sometimes when they're together, it'll say something like dust and ashes. For instance, when Abraham in, uh, in Genesis 18, Abraham is, 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 is talking with God and uh, sort of acknowledging his smallness to God and says, you know, I, I am but dust and ashes. Well, what he's referring to is is the, the creation story, uh, where in uh, Genesis chapter two we see that God took the the, the dust of the earth and formed uh, formed the human from the dust of the earth, and then later when uh, when that the the, the first humans um, sort of turn away from God, a uh, sin against God. Uh, we see that, that that God says, you know, from dust you have come, and to dust you will will return. And so, so dust and ashes, they're, they're, they're connected with, with death and, and, and all throughout the narrative of Scripture. And particularly, ashes uh, can be seen in a couple of different ways, in very important ways in Scripture. If you look in the book of Numbers, you can see that um, ashes were often used in uh, purification rituals, cleansing rituals. 
And so you might see that that uh, when you know when one wants to be cleansed of their of their sins, that ashes can be involved there. Uh, I think more notably, and also something you may be more familiar with, is the idea of when someone is acknowledging a sin or turning away from a sin, that they will it says they will they will sit in sackcloth and ashes, right? Sort of wear these these sort of um, garments of mourning and, and put ashes upon their head. Uh, for instance, you might think of the book of Jonah, where Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh and announces the, the people's sin to, to Nineveh. And lo and behold, uh, the king hears this and is, and is, is sort of made aware uh, that they have been sinful and, and, and mourns that and puts on sackcloth and, and, and ashes and tells the whole, all the people to put on sackcloth and ashes and, and, and repent. Uh, and, uh, and this is about the last thing Jonah expected them to do. And one other place that I really love, and I'll, I'd actually like to turn there for just a moment because I think it's a, a beautiful um, example of repentance uh, that has to do with, with, with ashes is um, in the book of Daniel chapter 9. And it says that the, the beginning of the chapter that Daniel was, was sort of looking through the, the books of the prophets and sort of sees that, um, that well, the, the prophet Jeremiah actually um, sort of told the people what was going to happen, that they were going to go into exile. And so here Daniel is sitting in exile in Babylon, seeing that the prophets came to them and said, look, this is going to happen if you don't turn away from your sin. But they, they, they didn't. So here he is sitting in exile and he says, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and pleading with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and faithfulness to those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned, we have done wrong, and acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning from your commandments and your ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our leaders, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, Lord, but to us, it is shame. And you see, what's important there um, is, you know, he's putting on these, these, these clothes of mourning and he's putting the ashes on his head and he's essentially acknowledging his sin. And interestingly, the sins of all his people, uh, the sins of his whole nation. Um, and uh, so that's where we, one of the few places, or, or a few of the many places in scripture we can turn to see echoes of what would become Ash Wednesday. Um, now, it may seem a little bit morbid to have this whole uh, holiday, if you will, holy day, uh, more proper, this whole holy day um, and season of Lent where we're just focusing on things like our, our, uh, our mortality, sin. We may be wondering, this is supposed to be good news, right? So why are we spending so much time focusing on this stuff? And I think for me, um, this is actually a very important thing to do. See, uh, this is not just me. I've gotten this from people a lot smarter than me, but I kind of see that the narrative of, of Scripture and the narrative of, of, of history as, a, as, a, as kind of a, well, it's kind of having four different parts. There's the creation, right? God created everything and, and created it good. And then there's uh, the, the fall, right? Some uh, people uh, uh, abused their freedom and uh, things kind of spiraled out of control. And, um, and we found ourselves in um, be, feeling, uh, being lost. And, uh, and then the next section, the next 
movement would be redemption, right? God comes to us in a special way in Jesus Christ and, and begins to make everything new. And then consummation is the fourth one. And that's basically um, what we're still looking forward to, this, this belief that, that um, God is going to set all of these things uh, right. All of this, uh, this um, all of creation will be, will be set right. And so uh, we really lose something in the faith, I think, if we don't if we forget about that second part, but now we, we want to gloss over the the fall, the fact that you know what we do um, rebel, <laughs> we do um, do things that are harmful to ourselves and to other people that are against the the, the good design that God had for us. We do do those things, <clears throat> and that is why it is so important and powerful um, that God has come to us, God's self in Jesus Christ to, to, to rescue us and set, set things right. And so when we take this time to acknowledge, um, God, we need you. And I think it is so important that we recognize uh, the position that we're in, that, that we need God. And we t- take this season to turn to God and say, God, we need you. Uh, we know that, that we have done that which we should not have done. We know that that we are even maybe bound to, enslaved to uh, 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 this pattern of life that is destructive, that, that steals our, our joy or sometimes our health or that harms other people. And we see these things and we say that, God, we need you to pull us out of it, to, 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 to give us new hearts, to, to give us a, a new um, vision of, of reality that, that we are, in fact, free uh, in you and that we're not bound to these things and that we can live into the, to the pattern of Jesus Christ to be, uh, to be uh, people who, who love others, who take care of others, who, um, who live in a way that's, that's free and, 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 and healthy and, and so many other good things. So we need this season of of, of repentance. And, you know, uh, I like to look at, in just a minute, we'll, we'll actually, I want to pray this, this psalm with you, but I can't help turning to Psalm 51, where we see that, you know, if we read it at the, the beginning of the psalm, it says, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this is sort of giving us the context and saying, David had done a, a, committed terrible sins. Um, and this is the psalm that he, that he writes after, afterward. And he says, among other things, he says this. He says, uh, For I, uh, I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. Right? I think that's really important because before we can change a pattern, we can, before we can um, uh, become new, we have to acknowledge <laughs> where, where it went wrong, what we've done, what needs to be changed, and what we need help from God in changing. And David says, for I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. And only then later does he know to say those famous words, Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So we see, we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that, um, that brokenness before we know to ask God to make it new. And that is what we're doing on Ash Wednesday. And that is what we're doing throughout the season of Lent. We are preparing uh, ourselves, examining ourselves um, for what's coming. And what's coming is 
the best news that there is, and that 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 is that God has come to us, and God has, uh, well, as Peter says in in First Peter, that that you know Jesus Christ has taken our sins into His body on the cross, right, and has has defeated death and defeated sin, so we're free from those. We're free, and we can live and in, joyfully into that freedom. But first, we have to acknowledge that, that there's something we need to be freed from. And that's my prayer for you and me and all of us during this season of Ash, during this time of Ash Wednesday and this season of Lent is that we can take an honest look at our, our hearts and our, and our lives, take an honest look and look at those things that aren't so pretty within ourselves so that, so that not th- so that we can obsess on them, but so that we can say, God, I need your help with, th- with this. God, please help me to change my heart and change my life and to become the kind of person that you desire for me to be. And I know that you give me the power to do that when I rely on you, when I rely wholly on you. And so I wonder if, if uh, you will uh, join me in prayer as we pray together the, the 51st Psalm, the Psalm of David. You can join your spirit with mine as I pray these words from Scripture. Let us pray. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness. According to the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my wrongdoings, and my sin is constantly before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in secret you will make wisdom known to me. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Cleanse me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and wipe out all my guilty deeds. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining us this morning. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and for even more resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ during this season of Lent, check out tmumc.org slash Lent. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org, and I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.